0: Welcome to the YFD, your future decided podcast. YFD exists to equip and inspire young adults to dream big dreams and turn them into their destiny. Welcome to the second ever YFD, your future decided podcast. Thank you for checking us out. We've got a right treat for you lined up here. We have got an interview that was supposed to take about 20 minutes and it ended up taking about an hour and a half. It was absolutely fantastic with my friend Simon talking about his gap year and his adventures in Africa. Maybe you're someone who's considering giving up a year to go over to Africa and to help the poor, help the needy and help those that are living out there. What a fantastic thing to do. This will either motivate you or give you the shivers. So in the meantime, Sit back, relax and enjoy Adventures in Africa, part one. Welcome to YFD, Your Future Decided, the second podcast. I'm here with my friend Simon. Hello. And um, yeah, we're going to be talking about Adventures in Africa. So uh, in the first episode, we caught up with beats, Go check him out on Instagram. The person that quit his job in a posh restaurant when he was a wine expert and also working, working for a Michelin-style chef to try and make rap beats and break into the American hip-hop scene, which is awesome. And now I'm with my, my friend Simon to talk about adventures in Africa.
1: Yeah, so uh, what do you want to know? Do you want to know why I, why I went? Yeah, oh, I want to know a okay. lot of
0: things, to want So, so we're, you know, the reason we're doing all this is genuinely we're trying to catch up with people that inspire it. I mean, I don't want to talk about your story in school because yeah. it's a bit boring for most people, <laughs> but it is inspirational in yeah. that you've started off um, basically like a no-contract teacher in a school. Yeah. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, yeah. And you've built your way up to the now where you actually, you got a lot of responsibility. I don't yeah. want to plug too much about what you do. <laughs> but um, And you go for bigger things and better things. Yeah. And, and that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's inspiring in itself.
1: Yeah, I think I'm easily, I'm easily bored, so constantly finding different things to do is really important. That's cool. Um, at school... Uh, yeah, what were you like at school? to so before was we quite, get into Africa, go on, tell <laughs> us about school. I, I was reasonably well behaved in the uh, secondary school that I went um, And when I did A-levels, I wasn't as studious, perhaps, as I could have been. But I worked quite hard, I worked quite hard at RE in history and drama and I did school shows and things like that but I wasn't quite ready to I knew I wasn't quite ready to go to university I wouldn't have coped it would have just been a mess and so so what did you do at 18? um, at 18 I went to Zimbabwe with an organisation called Project Trust so I had to raise £5,000 it was then wow um, in a year so we did sort of school discos and wrote off to companies and, and organised it that way and hit up the mummy-daddy bank a bit. Yeah, um, of course. And then went off 1st of September, flew out to Zimbabwe and was placed in a kindergarten in a township called Chiorito Township, about 100 miles outside of Harare, which is the capital, okay um, in 1999. And uh, that was sort of it. They said, there's your hut. That's where you live. Amazing. Um, there was one wow. other guy with me and he was working at the primary school um, and I was working in the orphanage. And so in the mornings I was in the kindergarten, Mm. um, teaching there. And then after school, I would work on youth projects, taking the kids out to go fishing or organizing football and rugby and doing some coaching there as well and helping them with sort of basic literacy skills as well. And we worked with the uh, caretakers and the groundsmen who were also working at the orphanage helped us develop their literacy skills so we did some adult ed classes with them which was really useful and sort of computer classes and things like that because it was 1999-2000 so the internet in africa was sketchy at best
0: yeah Uh, yeah, there was
1: no i didn't have a mobile phone when i was out there yeah Uh, that that just didn't happen i remember getting back and having to learn how to text Wow. And people telling me that there was this thing called texting that because was. Happening. How long were you out there for? I was out there for 18 months. 18 months? Yeah. Uh, 12 months with, with Project Trust.
0: That's incredible. 18 months, right? And so much change. You've yeah. never heard of a text message before? No, no. So it was like being in prison numbers. Yeah, You know yeah. people come out and yeah. they say that yeah, it always takes a while to be adjust. Yeah,
1: it was new. I didn't know, like, typing using the numbers yeah. was really bizarre. <laughs> um, well, yes, because the only phone, there was a phone in the, in the township. Mm. But it was sort of a call box, and to to da- to ring home, I had to ring up the international operator wow. and then they had to reverse the charges and so I did that a couple of times. I didn't call my parents for three months just because it was busy and, mm. and I'd set, I sent letters occasionally um, but once I worked out, I could reverse the charges. I did that a couple of times. Um, and then when my parents got a big telephone bill, that stopped very quickly, and we went back to writing letters because they didn't want to pay seven hundred pounds. Seven hundred pounds oh, wow. a quarter, yeah, that was. It uh, so, like was big. I thought yeah, you were yeah. going like you know fifty pounds. No, no, it was a, it was
0: it was expensive. Wow. Um,
1: but yeah, so so it was pretty independent.
0: So, picture, I'm just trying to picture the scene, like, you're 18, you're yeah. fresh, you're probably quite naive to a lot of oh, it. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, because you've, you've brought up about like, the north of England, yeah. Durham, quite a stable yeah. family home. Yeah, yeah. Quite a normal upbringing, yeah. I imagine. Dad's a
1: GP, mum, was
0: trained to be a vicar. Right, so quite a, yeah.
1: quite a fairly normal. Yes. yeah, absolutely, right.
0: yeah. So, did you know what to expect on day one? Like, had you No you, idea. We have an image of Africa, don't we, and a lot of like, yeah, of what it's like. yeah did it match that image on your first day there
1: um that's a really interesting question seth yes it sort of did and it sort of didn't zimbabwe is amazing it's absolutely beautiful and there wasn't a lot of tourism Hmm. um so we went to harare which is the capital and that didn't match my idea of Africa because I was expecting mud huts and yes. dusty yeah, yeah. roads and, and lions and giraffes yes. running around. <laughs> and it wasn't like that in Harare because it's a huge capital city and there's a central business district and wow. there's loads of expats. And it's, it's a huge, you know, it's a city. So it's the biggest city you no know, next to Johannesburg,
0: Harare. How, how big is it? Like in um, population, any ideas?
1: It's probably around about the size of Leeds.
0: Oh, so that's big. So, yeah, okay. seriously yeah, yeah.
1: serious city. It's, there's two big cities in Zimbabwe. Bulawayo is one of them, and Harare's is the, the capital. Mm. Bulawayo is much, much smaller right. um, and much more quiet. And Harare is big business capital, international airport. If you're travelling up to anywhere above South Africa, yeah. on that eastern side of, of sub-Saharan Africa, you've got to go through Harare, so it's a transport right. link as well. When we went up to Malawi... Six months I spent in Malawi and 12 months I spent in Zimbabwe. You have to go through Harare. So that was really big. And we spent the night at an orphanage there and then travelled out the next day to to the township. And that, that was like real Africa. That, <laughs> that was very much... We were the only white guys within 50 square miles. Incredible. And and no one spoke English hmm. and I had done a language assessment test on whether I would be good at picking up language when I was training for, for going and I think I got one of the lowest scores that Project <laughs> <Brother laughs> Trust had ever given anyone so they put me somewhere where they thought they'd be speaking English um, and they absolutely didn't but I came back being able to speak Shona which is the local language and a bit Shona, of Ndebele well, which is the, the other language reasonably, reasonably well. I had conversational, yeah. sort of conversational Shona, which the other guys didn't have. I think mostly because it, they put me in a kindergarten mm. with lots of three-year-olds mm. and four-year-old orphans uh, and they couldn't speak English and so I had to learn very fast. Iwe, which means you. you. That was one of the you. first things <laughs> I learned. And Murungu, which is a white man. So those were the two words that I learned very very quickly at the orphanage, but after that, songs and games and things like mm. that. That we, I I picked it up that way.
0: So I take it there's no like kind of bedding in period. There's no kind of have a couple of weeks to get. No your, no no It's just yeah. pretty much like. Well, yeah, we know. had
1: one night in Harare. We went out to the township. We got shown around, shown to our uh, our hut, um, and that that was it. The next morning we were up and, and into work. Wow. And, and it was great. You know, We got paid a local wage while we were there, which wasn't much, but it was absolutely enough to survive on. Mm. I, uh, I, st- I just stopped eating, which is going <laughs> from a house where you, my mother would provide mm. three hot meals a day in addition to snacks. I, uh, I just stopped eating and, and wow. lost a lot of weight, which probably wasn't a bad thing. Um, on weekends, occasionally, we would travel into the city and, mm. and there was places there that we would go to and, and there was an internet cafe, And sometimes it had a connection. So uh, email was. I remember getting emails from people saying, "Oh, they're just elephants running around," and I thought that is bizarre. And there wasn't. There was in the township where we were wild dogs, and more Mm -hmm. more often than not, there was a sort of tree near our hut that we had to walk past. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would often come back from work, and the 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 village children, not the not the orphans at the orphanage, but the village children would be saying, no, 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 Brother Simon, because they call me Brother Simon, or McCorma Simon, which meant brother. No, 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 the tree, the tree, the tree's bad, bad, the tree's bad. I thought, what's well, that's bizarre. And they were pointing up, and there was probably seven or eight black mambas in the tree. Wow. And they're really aggressive snakes, apparently. Wow. And and the kids would be running around with sticks, because the kids <laughs> would, would hit them and kill them. And they'd been taught to do that, and they knew they were very dangerous, they'd... You know, if they were bitten, that would be it. And then, mm. but they had—they would then clear the tree of, of all the snakes, and and then oh, we right. would, then we would go into our hut, which was there was no there was no yeah, hot so, yeah, water. Yeah, so tell us about the hut. So Is yeah, it, 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 I, like, are, are think,
0: these like in a circle? I imagine. We well, in, like, no. or was it like, you did know, like these little pictures. It's See,
1: we it was like we called it a hut, but really,
0: sort of. So what's the difference between my shed and your hut? Like, gen- uh, yeah, gen- genuinely. genuinely
1: it, it was two concrete walls.
0: It's concrete, okay. Yeah, so
1: there's was two two breeze, breeze block walls, and then um, like a a bit of it was corrugated, um, okay. But most of it was not hay, but but reeds and things like that to cover it. Right. So and then and we were sort of connected to another hut. So if you imagine it's like, like a, a T. Yeah, yeah, basically, okay. and there was three or four of them around where we were so a tea and and there was their their bit and our bit and we had a wall in between us um, and so sissy miriam lived next door and she was brilliant and she would bring us things around to eat like, um, like bugs and snails and things that she wow. thought was hilarious that we would try <laughs> um, and they were really good i was quite into eating the stuff that mm that we ate, so sadza was the the main staple food which is a bit like semolina, it's made with maize flour and so there's maize flour all over the place so you would Mm. get a big bag of maize flour and and you add water to it um, and a bit of salt and if you want it nice you might add a bit of butter to it and you would have that with just greens, sort of of like a cabbage type thing and you would boil that up with uh, maggie seasoning and if you were feeling particularly rich you would have chicken. Okay. And that there was a guy in the village who I got on with called Mike, and mm-hmm. Mike turned up at our house and told us <laughs> told us that his, ha- that his wife was called Rector and that we had to go and see her and she wasn't it was they made this there you know, she was called mynyasha and and she was lovely, and once a week we would go i would go around and sit in his backyard, either I would bring beers or he would have beers, and I 'd get a chicken, and then. Okay. We would, We'd give that to my Nyasha, and my Nyasha would, would kill it, pluck it, and then cook it. And then I'd have a meal at their house, and it was very sort of communal. And yeah, and and people would sit around, and that was
0: that was wonderful, incredible. So, when you say a house, you, you mean
1: yeah, he had he had uh, <coughs> uh more co- like more breeze block walls and okay. a, and corrugated iron. So, it's so very much if you imagine like a sort of a South African township, yeah, he was he was. In the nicer end of town okay. to us. Although there wasn't really much, there wasn't much divide between the sort of the, the hut stuff that we were mm. in and the and the, and the houses. Well, the houses it was sort of three rooms that so, they were in.
0: So when your hut, so we, we get the, the yeah. how, how big is it? What am I looking? Is it the size um, of like a, a classroom? It's smaller than a classroom. Yeah, smaller than a classroom.
1: classroom. Like uh, I would say, it's probably about four meters by four meters. Yeah. Square, pretty much. And That's we had the whole thing.
0: Yeah, so and we had a one, one room.
1: Yeah, well, no, we had we had a we had a bathroom in just outside. Yes, yeah. there was a communal bathroom that was with the other the other adjoining hut to us, and then we had a little kitchen area that was in the living room, and then we had our bedroom that was we had curtains that drew it off, wow. and then we had um, just sort of big camp beds that were quite nice and sleeping bags. But it never got, it never got, it was cold in the winter, a yeah. bit. I mean, we had door, the, the other, the other walls was, was sort of mud and, like, sort I suppose lath and plaster would be the, the equivalent now, mm. but like, that, it, it didn't get, it was nice and cool in, in summer. So winter it got cold in the night. Yeah. Um, but it was fine, we would boil water and stuff like that. And we had a, you know, the shower was, there wasn't any hot water, but it was, it was water. Within your. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. that's not too bad. Oh. Yeah, no, it was fine. It was fun. Good fun. <laughs> stuff used to. Cr- the hole was worryingly large in the shower, <laughs> and stuff used to come out of it. Ooh. Like bugs and things. Yeah, I yeah. did not like that. No, no. The, s- the snakes didn't, because I think it was probably too cold. Oh, I don't know. But yeah, there was those unpleasant times with snakes, and, and not snakes, sorry, like frogs and spiders
0: and rats. And what, what what are you like silly questions but like did you even have shampoo for example?
1: Yeah no 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 yeah there was we'd go into the like I get the soap and things yeah, yeah they not that back yeah, yeah. so like... Chapazi te- Chapazi which um, Bindura that was it so Bindura was was the the largest township uh, and Churuta where I was was sort of a smaller mm. sort of offshoot of that yeah no they had um, the chops you could buy bread and yeah. and jam and and okay. a lot of vaseline the kids were always covered in vaseline. their skin but yeah no you could buy you could buy things like that it was there was less choice yeah but you know there was eastern europe yeah yes yeah very much like they had all the they had all the hardware just none of the software yeah so quite empty shelves but but you could buy stuff it wasn't there and a lot of things you would buy from people in the market traders or just people women sitting outside their house so they would Mm. have their house and a quarter of an acre around the back and they would grow greens or whatever it was there and yeah. they'd bring that yeah. front cell and, and you'd buy stuff like that on the way home. I think things that I really appreciated was was you sometimes you'd get a really nice loaf of bread. Most of the time the bread was really stale, but if you went Saturday mornings when yeah. it was when it was hot, you like when the bread was still hot, you you get a nice loaf of bread. But didn't often didn't often do that most of the time just sat and things like that. So, but it was it was amazing it was brilliant brilliant fun the little luxuries right Yeah. so what
0: about the what about the school then so is the school similar
1: um, there was there was three three sort of schools the the primary school where Henry worked who was the, the guy I was living with not really the classrooms it was all breeze block built yeah in a long line and the classroom doors would open out onto a little bit of a veranda mm. and then it would be fields or um open air, and that mm. was in a sort of, sort of horseshoe, <clears throat> horseshoe shape because the, the primary school was open to the local kids and the orphanage kids. Okay. SOS SOS Hermann Gmeiner, who, who were the, the umbrella organisation that, that we were working with. The secondary school was really similar, breeze block built, but mostly opened out onto, onto the outside, so not sort of covered corridors or anything. And the primary school was... Three classrooms, and you, as a teacher, you had to make sure that you swept up and cleaned your floors yeah. at the end of every day, as well as, okay. like as, that. as other stuff. So it was very, it was very much structured in a way that that was your space and you tidied it and yeah. you kept it clean, and, and you would you were judged by my Mataviri, who was the, uh, <laughs> she was an ex-nurse, and she had been, she yeah. had lived in England for a while, and she'd come back. So she knew about germs. Oh and God, yeah. And about, she, yeah, okay. she was, if your floor wasn't clean, which mine never was, I was the only bloke, the only bloke teaching at the primary school, and they were never, honestly, I would I would brush it, and you had a very short <laughs> brush, so I got terribly bad back, you had to brush the floor, and then you had to cl- wash it mm. every day, and... I would do it, and then they would come and go, oh, no, Brother Simon. Brother Simon, will you never learn? This, <laughs> like, this is a terrible law. And I would think, I've just tried so hard. I'd be like, no, it is so dirty. And then one of them would then do it.
0: See, I'm impressed that they got you to do it. I thought it'd be like a punishment, almost, for some yeah. of the kids. <laughs> no. And you're like, what sort of punishments did they have? We're like, oh, this gosh. is like 90s. Ah, right, I, OK. I'm just intrigued, because, you know, in my primary so. school, I, I think, you know, that I went to... Primary school in year six, I was in a French school. Yeah. And it was a really backwards village school, three classes, seventy odd kids. Mm-hmm. About fifteen in my class, year five and year six, the equivalent of. It. Mm-hmm. But the headmistress, she was the she used to deal with those that were six and seven, I think, so yeah. in the first years. And honestly, if you moved around too much, she'd tie you to your chair. Yeah, I And she used to put famously put cellotape on people's mouths yeah. if they spoke too much. Which I've i that was just accepted. Yeah. No one liked it, but you just accepted that's just she's just yeah. a bit out there.
1: I, at the at the kindergarten, there wasn't much. I remember the only big, the only big thing happened that happened at the kindergarten was because a lot of the orphans had um, HIV or they had AIDS. If anyone got a cut, everyone had to get TCP'd. So everyone would be washed. So you would strip all ninety kids, and then they'd all get hosed down in basically TCP and and cleaned within an inch of their lives. When I went out to the farm school, we had some friends that we knew that were on a farm school. It was even more rural, and um, and we walked in, and it was the first day, and they they all stood up and they said good morning, and they said our names, and Crawford, who was the teacher, shouted at them, and they all stood up, and stuck their hand out, and he whacked them each on the hand with the cane, and and. Said, why, why did you do that and he said they didn't stand up when you came in wow and so it was that was a real and they talked to projects about it because they do have the cane in mm. they did have the cane it was perfectly fine to do it and they had sort of said you know if this happens well, what do you do and really uh, while it was going you know I was 80, only a couple of days of being 18 yes. before I went out a month or so and I didn't say anything at the time I sort of thought oh god there's this 30 year old teacher doing this they must know what they're doing <laughs> but <laughs> a couple of weeks later we did approach Crawford and say look that we wouldn't do that in England it's not it's mm. not something we do and he completely ignored us and thought we were being absolutely ridiculous because that's how you discipline yeah, the children yeah, okay. and yeah. that you know he'd been doing that for for all of his life and that's what he'd had and never other than that I never really saw anyone being being punished yeah. I know that the kids did have, especially the kids in the orphanage, did have jobs to do. Okay. So that they would they lived in, in, inverted commas, houses with a, a mother. Mm-hmm. So a, a woman that was paid to be there um, and would be there for sort of six months and would wash their clothes and cook their meals. Um, but they had jobs around that house, so the... The girls would have, you know, the boys would have specific jobs about cleaning outside and doing the garden. The girls had inside jobs, which felt really sort of a bit strange for for me coming from quite a sort of, uh, you know, feminist household. Mm. Uh, But there were very clear boundaries about what were women's jobs and what were men's jobs. Okay. Um, And they were enforced you know because you wouldn't you know you wouldn't work in the garden if you were a woman you you probably wouldn't work in the house if you were a man that wasn't that wasn't what you did but though cult- culturally that was it was interesting because the the, the women had all the power yeah. the matriarchs in that in that culture the the head of the office at the orphanage and, mm. and the head of the head of the primary school were, were really strong strong women they they didn't take any they didn't take any messing yeah. But there was, there was, it was interesting to see that that cultural difference.
0: And that's the end of part one. I've got to pause the interview there. I'm sure you will agree that it was absolutely fascinating to hear from Simon about his adventures in Africa. Please do check out part two when it comes. Part two is all about continuing the adventures in Africa, but also about what happened next. What kind of person does it make you after an adventure in Africa like that? How do you get on at university? And also we hear a little bit about the managers to got to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and perform, which was absolutely brilliant. So please do check it out in a few days time. Thank you for listening to the YFD Your Future Decided podcast. Stay tuned for the next instalment, and if you haven't done already, then make sure you head over to our website at www.yourfuturedecided.com.uk